New card. What do you think? Get over here! That man is playing Galaga. I understood that reference. You shall not pass! So say we all. So say we all. Run with me. It's adamantium tasting time, boys. Well, maybe it's your number one. All wings report in. And welcome, Neurosphere, Microphone Alchemist, James Kincaid here with you. As previously stated, we did it. Best Damn Nerd Show made it over a year without missing an episode. Might be a first in the overall pantheon of history of the Best Damn Nerd Show if you've been with us since uh, our SF State beginnings. But be that as it may, we did return uh, this past year on the Tenno Media Network. And so we made it a whole year. And, uh, you know, we're giving ourselves a break this week. So as we said last week, we're going to be doing a best of. I'm going to be shepherding you through some of the best moments of the past year uh, in the Best Damn Nerd Show's return. You know, we've got some fun moments, including some never-before-released audio uh, that I think you're really going to enjoy uh, it's Comic-Con week, so us nerds are on vacation. I am, in fact, down here in Southern California with Imperial Commissar Jeff Budd, Chief Science Officer of Star Labs Mark Truex, and Professor Chris Davis. And we've been playing board games and just having lots of fun, which is what it's all about. But we didn't want you to go without, so let's get this best of rolling. We're going to start things off with a moment from the first episode, another reboot, as we were coming back and sort of discussing why. Why Best Damn Nerd Show? Why why reboot it? Why bring it back? And then from there, this segment, it's going to be a, you know, a, a trip down memory lane of maybe what we do best on the Best Damn Nerd Show, which is argue with one another. So some of our, our greatest debates, some of our greatest verbal melees, you will hear... Uh, from we got it started off right in the first episode, John Craig and I going back and forth about whether I actually even like uh, nerd content at all. And then from there, Jeff Budd and Mark Tricks discussing the virtues of Cyclops and the recent character turns that he's taken from our X-Men extravaganza. And then we will uh, take a look back at the Super Nintendo versus Sega debate, which was a lot of fun. And then, of course, perhaps the, you know, the most extreme Best Damn Nerd Show dust-up. One so, so violent and so vicious that uh, John Craig nearly blew out his microphone in a preemptive strike to try and shout over me, which damn near ruined his audio. But we eventually released it anyway, and you will take a look back at it here. So let's get to it. So enjoy. Why reboot us? Why, why the Best Damn Nerd Show coming back here today? You know, I mentioned a little bit that our paths have led us uh, back together here. Uh, John, why, why don't you start us off in terms of just the the why of uh, Best Damn Nerd Show? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, there was definitely a period where we all kind of got busy focusing on like, you know, post college, starting your career, and figuring out what the hell you're supposed to do with your life. Um, and you know, it's it's really easy to like fall out of touch with friends and and not reach out as much as you should. And I think that really came to light um, at like bachelor parties and weddings and, and kind of a string of like everyone getting betrothed. 
um, and us having excuses and, and good reasons. Yeah. And good reasons to like come together and, and hang out again. And more than anything, this is an opportunity for us to all get together every week and, and just hang out and chat and uh, might as well record it and put it out. Right. But given that, you know, everyone is pretty much betrothed um, and we're going to be waiting a really long time um, for, for James, um, we oh, don't really have a lot of meant for death. <laughs> no, for the next opportunity to get together. Um, I just feel like this is a really our, our last chance to kind of hang out because, you know, God forbid James locks someone down. Ugh. Not looking likely given a recent turn of events, uh, kind of a hail Mary at this point, but I yeah. thought it was because the Russian sex box finally hacked the server and crashed the site. <laughs> that, that is all that. I mean, that is part of it. There's a lot of contributions to why best damn nerd show fell off, uh, which, you know, I'll, I'll take the, my fair share of the blame for that. But, you know, John mentioned something in terms of we're all friends hanging out together and, you know, at SF state and beyond when we moved, uh, Beyond that, uh, we built a really cool community here at Best Damn Nerd Show. And we, you know, like I said, we appreciate all that loyal listenership. And, you know, we want to rebuild that because that community is something worthwhile. I think that Best Damn Nerd Show had a legacy in the time period that we came around. We were ahead of that curve, you know, and and I really believe in what we're doing here. And uh, as it's been alluded to, I really need it. You know, I first came on to Best Damn Nerd Show actually on a side podcast called Bang Boom Kapow Comic mm. Talk Now, uh, which was a strictly comic book related. The Comic uh, Talk podcast. Now part you added. <laughs> it's good alliteration, though. Well, that's what I bring to the table. Oh, it rhymes. But, yeah, the yeah. <laughs> <Not> alliteration. <laughs> I was an English major. <laughs> I read comics and picture books. All right, but. Uh, so started back then and then came on to the main roster and, uh, shoot, been on the main roster for at least eight years, if not yeah. longer. So been on the website for none of that. Mm. Not the <laughs> new one. I hear <laughs> a, r- a running for the, for new listeners, a, r- a running gag in truth was that Mark never was on the original best damn nerd show website. So if we ever do a nerdy trivia and that's a question. There, there you go. Uh, Jeff, how about you? How are you? How are you just feeling about everything? I guess as one of the originals, I've sort of reflected on the fact, you know, just again, the legacy of the nerd show and why we should bring it back. Um, I think my favorite part of bringing it back is just that it's the full roster again. Because, um, you know, being with you since like episode one, I mean, there was that part when I moved from San Francisco that I was gone from the series for a little bit. But I mean, I've got to see like the different roster changes it's kind of like being i guess your cyclops uh if we were the x-men since you're Mm. technically like the manos but i mean it's like i got to see like several of the different iterations and it's kind of been cool to be part of different groups but you know we're strongest when we're all united yeah i i agree and it's just uh i on a a personal note you know john rejoining this uh it does there's a sort of wholeness uh that, that i feel in this comeback tim Somebody that honestly, I didn't know if I'd ever see you on here again. Like, I think the last time you were, you were supposed to be on the Nerd Show was you doing uh, some accents, and then you bailed. Uh, so it's it's good to see you again. <laughs> I didn't like the way that I was being treated, and I just want to say that I disagree <laughs> with almost everything that's been said. Uh, I think the reboot's a bad idea. I don't trust the community, <laughs> and I dislike and mistrust most of you. <laughs> well put. 
And I you think this will only. You haven't even met the community yet. I can tell you, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Lore master Timothy Childs. One of the greatest Jeff Bud lines of the original Best Damn Nerd Show series was, and and I stand by. It's only it becomes truer and truer every passing day. The best comics have already been written. So sad facts. It, it it's, it's a true statement. Uh, I mean. In this conversation right here, we're kind of outlining how the rest of this reboot series is going to go. Where, where are we? James, James is a hard line, will not like anything new, and pretty much, I'm hard line, open minded to everything, and pretty much just enjoy whatever. And everyone else is just kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, Tim, Tim, usually just trolling everybody. <laughs> Tim's the chaos fan. Tim really James is. is just I, trying to I'm saying what everybody's line. thinking. My my problem is this. Um and and I'll tell a story about my my mother-in-law. She she claims to like chicken marsala, right? Um and she talks about this chicken marsala marsala dish that she had at this Italian restaurant one time years ago. Since then, I've gone out with her and her family, you know, dozens of times. She's always ordered chicken marsala, always hated it. And my question is, do you actually like chicken marsala? She does. Do you know she likes it, it prepared correctly. <laughs> and that's my question to you, James. Do you actually like comic Anything. book movies and yes. nerd culture? Yes. Because I, I think there's a cutoff date for James, and I think it's probably around like 1996, where anything released <laughs> after that is shit and anything released before it is great. That that is complete nonsense because the the very foundation of the original series run, our first episode we discussed Watchmen, which I actually think is a damn fine comic adaptation. Uh early, early talking about my my goal as a nerd, my favorite superhero Captain America. I wanted a one Captain America movie that I could be proud of and thought that they did well. And I got much, much more than that. I love Chris Evans as Captain America. And to me, win- uh, First Avenger, Winter Soldier, just two two of the best comic book movies ever made. I, 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 I like plenty, but I will call out crap when I see it. Multiple of you have talked about how the MCU has done things paint by numbers. And that's sort of what I, what I don't like and what I will rail against is that now in the MCU, it seems like they can't even let you feel the full range of emotions without having to punctuate every scene with a throwaway one-liner. They get more and more silly. Look, I know it's about guys in flying suits with crazy superpowers, but if you don't take it a little bit seriously, why should we? Uh, and well, in terms of me not liking, I like Justice League. Everybody piled on to shit on yeah. DC. I enjoy yeah. Justice League. I didn't need the Snyder Cut to enjoy it. And I think anecdotally, you're doing a really good job of picking out select titles that you have liked in recent years. <laughs> because I like things that are good. When you look at the overall wash of 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 nerd related titles that have come out in the last two decades, the just the overall landscape. Lord of the Rings. Um, if you if you can sit here and say <laughs> that you've disliked more than you've liked, then I think that you don't actually like. This kind of I, I don't know. I think that is a complete misnomer attack on me. I think I like vastly more. It's just the things that I don't like. I don't go along with this recency bias bump on a log bullshit, which is to praise everything like that. The the latest Thor Ragnarok. Oh, it's the best one since the last one. And the next one will be the best one since that one. It's stupid. I thought that movie was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I don't go to laugh. I don't go to laugh. I don't go to laugh. 
you don't you don't go to feel anything. No, I go to feel, but it's, I don't go looking for like a buddy comedy film. I go looking for a superhero movie which has tinges of it, just the right amount. And they've they've lost the recipe, in my opinion. It's so funny, Cyclops. Before I was a fan, seeing a picture of the entire X Men team because I knew Wolverine before I knew the X Men. I was like, oh, Wolverine. And I was like. And he's in the front. I was like, oh, this is the team that he's the leader of. And my dad was like, no, that guy's the leader of the X-Men. And he pointed at Cyclops on the right. And I was just like, who's that? And I, was like, I had no idea how rich <laughs> that character was, how much I would relate to that character, how much I would just fall in love with that character uh, years down the road. Mark, what about you? What are your favorite rosters of the X-Men? You know, my reading of it is a lot more recent. Uh, as I said, I started reading the X-Men actual comics as they released starting in like 2011. Uh, and I really dug, uh, this is all basically post-Schism, where Schism was where Wolverine and Cyclops basically warred for control of the X-Men, ultimately breaking up the group, Ugh. where Wolverine became essentially the new Professor X running the Xavier School. And Cyclops went off as more of like a, a mutant revolutionary path uh yes more, more like magneto, magneto. so magneto in tow and uh i really enjoyed it because i liked reading both books that they were just wildly different takes on each other uh you know wolverine having to work with all these kids and turn them into you know headstrong heroes as well as cyclops kind of breaking bad and it was very enthralling for me all the way through the avx you know, debacles, the Phoenix five, getting the Phoenix force back in, in a very new fun take. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the divergence. Jeff, as uh, the Cyclops fan, what that you are, what, how do you feel about the sort of more modern take on psych? Well, I mean, I think Mark kind of explained it with his background, why he could appreciate it. He was going into it without, you know, the lore and the history of those characters. And so it's like, all right, if it's an interesting story to him, then yeah, it's going to be good. As somebody who, you know, I mean, I, I've gone through all the, the stories with Cyclops and I've seen the suffering, I've seen the growth, I've seen his connections to different characters. I think it's not disgusting, but I do think it's a disservice to the character to do something like that with Cyclops. Um, something that you and I had talked about, and I think it's really important to bring up, is Charles Xavier and Magneto, you know, they were friends and then obviously they fractured because of their different ideologies and the direction that they wanted to go with their dreams. One thing where I feel that Charles has always been superior in Magneto is that he's had a pupil like Cyclops, where Cyclops is a true believer in the, the inspirational message that Xavier has. He's on more than one occasion carried on that dream without Xavier having to be there to hold his hand. And it's like, that's that's the dream. That's what Xavier is hoping for, is that the next generation picks up where he leaves off and that they'll continue to move in that direction. What has Magneto ever inspired? He's inspired nobody. He's He's been betrayed countless times. I think of Fabian Cortez, obviously, in the 90s, who at one point had kidnapped and was trying to murder Magneto's grandchild in Genosha to try to create, like, another genocide. Uh, he was hoping to spark a, hu a big civil war on the blood of Magneto's uh, human ch uh, human grandchild. She didn't have uh, mutant abilities. But, I mean, that's just one example. There was also Exodus and, you know, uh, Colossus being an acolyte and then uh, hopping off of that and the, the original Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. My whole thing about Cyclops is it's just, you know, he's gone through so much and it's not that his character hasn't changed, but he's never betrayed like those core values. And it's like it because it's not that he was brainwashed or it's not that Xavier hit him at a young age. It's that Cyclops also just respects those ideals and wants to see the same world 
that Charles Xavier wants to see. And another thing I've always said about Marvel comic books is any timeline where Charles Xavier is dead, it is a terrible world. Like just bad (laughs) things happen. If there's one life that is just vital in Marvel comic books, it's Charles Xavier. Keep the man alive. That is the only time they ever have some sort of utopia. Otherwise, it's god awful. Isn't that the uh, the X Men the animated series episode? What one man's worth is essentially all about that. Yeah, and I mean, and and they've done it numerous times in the comic books. And I can I can sympathize with Marvel that it's been countless decades, and you've got to do you know you want to do different things with characters, you want to put them in you know different settings, you want to go in new directions. But I just feel that it's such an abrupt turn to do something like that to Cyclops because you can't say that his life hasn't been tragic. Uh, at a young age, he was, you know, essentially orphaned, not knowing what actually happened to his parents. He was still, though, having to be responsible, raising his younger brother. Uh, he has a power that, because of the brain damage he suffered from that plane crash, he cannot control. He's one of the the world's most powerful mutants. Uh, Apocalypse listed him in the top 12, uh, but it's a power that he can't control, so he can never even look at anybody that he cares about. Uh, he's been betrayed countless times before he even met Charles Xavier, uh, Jack of Diamonds, who manipulated him used his powers, made him do, like, evil things. Um, He's lost Jean Grey multiple times, lost his son, (laughs) raised his son in the future, lost Madeline Pryor, found Madeline Pryor again as a supervillain. You know, I mean, how much can the man go through Exactly, and, and still and still come out positively. I'm exactly. sorry, Mark. Yeah, Mark. Exactly. He exactly. keeps coming out positive. He keeps coming out positive. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? That's why he had he's a gone break through bad. all of that and he's been fine. And then it's like, oh, but one bad day. I'm sorry. It's not a Punisher Daredevil situation at this point. Cyclops is what they call resilient. All right, yeah. and he understands that the end goal is what actually matters, and he can go through all of that other stuff. Or maybe he just wanted to take He's a new approach. He's not as mentally weak as Magneto. And then you take Wolverine. How old is that guy? All of a sudden, he's decided to change things? All of a sudden, he's going to be uh, the Papa Bear who's licking the pups? I just, uh, it's sickening to me, man. And it's like, All okay, know... so we're going to take Wolverine, who's ultra popular, and then we're going to put him in this very likable situation. <laughs> but what they're quintessentially doing is ruin, ruining everything about Wolverine that made him popular in the first place. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of old Wolverine fans are then not a fan of that Wolverine stuff. Go ahead and just abandon everybody who is a fan going into it. Yeah, it's like if it ain't broke, uh, please break it immediately and then make subpar comics that nobody wants to read. Scotty Summers finally got to settle down with Emma Frost and I'm okay with that. See, but I don't think he belongs with someone like Emma Frost. And I don't he mind him not. dating her for a while. And and don't get me wrong, props to Scotty, because everybody loves Emma Frost. All right. Yeah. White I, I wanted to have sex with Emma Frost before I knew what sex was. All right. It's like <laughs> that is she is a great comic book character. But I mean, no, he belongs with like Jean Grey or somebody like that. And I'm thinking of some She's of the dead. other girls that he dated. She's always dead and she always exactly. comes back. It doesn't matter. She's, he doesn't belong with Emma. Not it, not in not indefinitely. Emma deserves like, a good boy. It's, it's all right they were a cute point. match. Well, I mean, so they two, look great together. two rebels living on the road, trying to <laughs> but, make a difference. But Emma's not a rebel on the road anymore. I liked what they actually did with Emma's character because they there softened was a redemption heart. arc uh, in the '90s, and I liked her working with Sean Cassidy uh, with the um, uh, what were they Generation X. It's like that was really cool, and it's like okay, I could see how she could make that slight turn it was it was still not quite as soft and cuddly as uh the school that davis works at but you know the the massachusetts academy was all right (laughs) 
So, Mark, you're you're firmly in the the pro. What was it? Cyclops did nothing wrong. Cam. Uh, Cyclops was right. He's he's a part of the. I've been a fan of fi- for five minutes, and so I think this stuff's really cool. And then <laughs> and then those of us who have forgotten more about X Men than Mark will ever know, we're like, eh, you know what? I don't think that's actually the, uh, the story. Oh, fear go. change. It's okay. You know, hold the line. But- Oh, no, you're other ab- people make oh, stories you're absolutely new right, Mark. X-Men has been completely in. stagnant for decades. They only finally <laughs> changed the story. God bless these writers. There's so Dude, much It was exciting to see him go down before. a different path. It was exciting to see him go down a different path and try something different and be I all don't broody. mind. I was I okay with it because I felt, going down a I felt his pain. As long as it's with, a logical look, path. With every action, he wasn't running around going, hey, this is great. Yeah, let's destroy stuff. No, it, it, it ate him up inside, and you can see the pain on the pages of him having to do this, but he didn't know any other way. It had been too much that, for too long, and he had to finally try something different. That's not Cyclops. So I was personally attacked uh, by Jonathan Craig. I'm going to address that. It, it, you're, you're assuming that, that we will base our arguments based off the fact that Super Nintendo sold more than Sega Genesis, I mean, which you, it you did. You mentioned by a lot. to start the show. So, yeah, I would say but, that's a pretty by, foundational by, argument for you. By, by, by a lot. But that that is not why Super Nintendo was better. It's one it's one of the metrics by which you can judge that it is better, okay. which it is. Okay. Uh, Let me clip that out. It, 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 let, let's, James is a natural let's, follower. It's not the only... It's mm-hmm. not the only metric, but let's see, let's even examine how Sega Genesis was even able to get a foothold in the American marketplace because Sega Genesis couldn't stand to go head to head with Nintendo's next gen console. They they released it when Nintendo, the original Nintendo Entertainment System, was at the end of its run. So Sega saw that Nintendo was nearing the end of its run, so it's like we're going to release our thing first because we know that once Super Nintendo brings their shit. We won't be able to stand up to it. And that is exactly what happened. Where they gained most of their sales, where they gained their foothold, was in that small period of time when Nintendo, still putting out better games on the original Nintendo gameplay-wise, that's when Sega Genesis was able to even get a foothold. And I remember being at all the stores. Why on earth? Would I want to play Sega Genesis when your demo game was Echo the Dolphin? And meanwhile, I got Super Mario World. And you want to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog? I'm going to take an arcade villain from Mario, put a red tie on him, call him Donkey Kong, make it country, and that game smash Sonic the Hedgehog. There is no contest between Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. And all the games that define the genre that stand the test of time Almost all of them are on Super Nintendo or were ported better to Super Nintendo. I, it's, that's not factual. We seem to keep talking about RPGs and we're talking about brawlers. There's a whole extra segment of games. I mean, the sport game uh, was really dominated by Sega. Uh, bringing in Madden, first of all, which is a huge selling franchise to this day. Also on Super Nintendo. It, it originated for Sega, though. And you can't deny that Mike Tyson punch out. Same thing there. Andre Agassi tennis, yo. Wait, p- punch out. Punch out is a Nintendo property. Wasn't Mike Tyson on the Segas? No, punch out. Punch out is a Nintendo property, sir. Thank you for making our point. And Super Punch Out on SNES, also a phenomenal game. Thanks, Man, Mark. Not as good as Madden. <laughs> Uh, way better than Madden. <laughs> like, oh, sweet, a, the same game every year, whereas you get Super Punch-Out, and it's incredibly memorable. Maybe not to you, because you thought it was on your console, but it, it was wasn't. such a good game, it should have been on Sega. That must have been why. 
It just makes sense <laughs> that it's there. You are not the authority. Like you may think you know what is good or bad. I th I would argue that the that the masses might contradict that in a sense because they you know they're certainly putting their dollars where their interests are. But whether or not you think something is good or bad does not make it canon or not canon. Like. Yeah, no, Star Wars I, is what it is. I, we I, have to go by the movies. We have to go by the movies. We have to go by the TV I don't, shows. I don't have to like them. Okay, so then I, I don't have don't to. I don't, say I don't you have like to, Star Wars. I, I I do. I love the original Star Wars trilogy. I love Star Wars for what it was for the majority of its existence Be, what, until it started I, getting chipped away at. What do you Why mean do majority you like of Boba its existence? Chipped away. All they ever did was enhance it. I don't think he enhanced it. I think he watered down a lot of the stories, and the okay. sequel trilogies oh. are even worse. The, the, the greatest achievement of the sequel trilogies, it's made me like the prequels more. James, you, did, you have... Hold on, hold on. Let me, let's unpack this. You just said that you have liked Star Wars for the majority of its existence, which isn't true because you don't like the special editions, which came out in the 90s. You don't like the prequels. You don't like episodes 7 through 9. So you actually have liked Star Wars for a minority of its existence, and when you look at the overall swath of Star Wars content, you haven't liked most of it. I like the... So you're not a Star Wars fan, dude. Actually, you're not. if it's you okay look at the, 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 the amount of yeah. video... I get that you're trolling, and, that, and that's your thing. No, this it's is your, not a troll. It's, 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 is, the, it's, the, it's the only lane you have, but uh, I actually <laughs> really enjoy... Like, the original Star Wars trilogy is some of my favorite works of fiction. I love so many of the video games. Sort of the overall swath of things that Star Wars have put out, I've actually really enjoyed quite a bit of it. Now, the the movies, the prequels, and the sequel trilogies, yes, I don't like. And then Last Jedi was so bad that it made me not want to watch any more Star Wars properties in general, which is, which is why I am so excited to talk about The Mandalorian, because Jeff knows this better than most, is that I didn't want to watch this show. I was so done with Star Wars after The Last Jedi because I felt so personally, like, betrayed by just how bad it was that... The fact that I one even watched The Mandalorian at all and two enjoyed it so much, it just it makes me really happy again. This is such a great entry into the Star Wars universe. I just I think they did a wonderful job. I, I'm not gonna rest yeah. until you admit that you're not a Star Wars fan. I'm a huge you Star liked, Wars fan. You liked the original three movies, but in terms of all of the other equally or more weighted items since then, you have not liked a lot of it. Most of it. Yeah, I've I've not liked the bad movies that they've put out. You're right. I've not liked the but, stuff that's not you good. Got, you do, the, you the, do the, the original Hold Star on. Wars trilogy, the movies that were selected as culturally significant to be preserved, I love. So you, know, you do realize that George Lucas never even sent those movies to the Library of Congress. I did not realize that. He probably wanted to well, alter uh, them. Do you know more. who did? Disney, so you can kiss Disney's ass. Well, they are. Well, I mean, and if, also, and if also, they, there's they a reason the special editions. He yeah. wasn't going to do yes. the unaltered. That's right. Well, and we can we can go back into the the uh, sort of irony of George Lucas testifying before Congress about the colorization of films I, I and could, then trying to alter his movies. Yeah. If I could just just say, people change. You used to be a Star simply, Wars fan. Simply put, there are people that have grown up with Star Wars that like the prequels they like episodes seven through nine they like the mandalorian they like all the spin-off movies they like a lot of the books they like a lot of the games these are star wars fans these are people who these are people who every time the star wars universe expands and introduces new characters and new items or fleshes out a character or goes back and looks at a character's lineage or sees what happens you know 
uh, uh, years later and the impacts of a storyline that happened in these movies and a lot of the movies that you don't like, these people like these properties. Cool. You, a lot, a so lot of people don't. That, There's a lot of Star are, Wars fans out there that also no, agree with me, John. Star Wars yes, fans. they are. are not yes, Star just because they're not Star Wars fans to you, John. How can just you be because, a fan like, of something just you Just because like. I don't get to set canon, you don't get to set who the fuck is a Star Wars fan. And I maintain that I am a Star Wars fan, no matter what John Craig says or how he tries to troll me. Uh, but I hope you enjoy taking a look back at some of our great Best Damn Nerd Show debates. I'm sure there will be many more to come. But we're going to take a break. On the other side, we'll get creative. We're going to talk some board games, bracket battles, and more. On the other side, the Best Damn Nerd Show Best Of. Hey everyone, Chris Seglia here, CEO of the Tenno Media Network. I would like to say thank you for checking out one of our podcasts, but we need your help. You can support Tenno in a multitude of ways by going to our website and checking out our latest podcasts, by buying some sweet merch, joining our Discord, or getting early and exclusive access to all content via our Patreon. Your support means the world to us, and you can find everything on our website, www.10-o.gg. That's T-E-N-O.gg. Thank you again, and now, back to the show. It's the microphone alchemist Bimbo Jimbo here, of course, formerly the Jedi Master, and we are so happy to be back delivering to you the nerdy content that you need to make it through your muggle work week. And we want to hear from you, Nerdosphere, so be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Zunes, or other non-name brand MP3 playing devices everywhere, or however you consume your weekly interval. Whether you agree with me that The Last Jedi was a crime against Star Wars, or that you think that my hosting warrants being mauled by a bear, leave us a five-star review, make us laugh, smile, or cry in that review, and there is a good chance that you will hear it read on a future episode of The Best Damn Nerd Show. So be sure to rate and review us. It's the best way that you can help the BDNS keep saying it loud and proud for years to come. Hey, you. This is Sweet Johnny Cage from Tenno. I'm here to tell you about the next big thing coming in hot from our production house. It's called the Game Club Podcast. Join me and our diverse panel of game masters as we discuss our experiences playing some of our favorite video games. Whether it's a remake of a classic game from our childhoods, a game we might have missed during the height of its release, or a brand new title that tickled our collective fancy, you're sure to love what we have to say. Who knows, maybe you'll learn something about a game you never considered playing. I know I have. Find us on Spotify under Game Club today. And welcome back to the Best Damn Nerd Show. Best of James Kincaid, of course, here with you. And now this segment, we've you've heard us fight. Now I want you to hear our imagination. I love when our imagination runs wild with us on the Best Damn Nerd Show. And I think that that is, you know, really uh, on display when we talk board games, when we're doing the bracket battles, or when we're sort of putting ourselves into these other fandom worlds and how we might want to create a character. And so that's exactly what we're going to do and take a look back at in this best of segment. Uh, we're going to be talking shadows of brimstone. We're going to be talking about our invincible uh, characters that we created here on the best damn nerd show. And then we're going to take a look back at our bracket battles, the finals of our Halloween uh, slasher bracket battles and then the final of our Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat bracket battle. So enjoy, Nerdosphere. 
We are talking Shadows of Brimstone. And what I want to do now is get into the characters that we decided to make. And Jeff, I know you've played a bunch, obviously. You are the owner of this game. You are the key to all the fun that we've had with Shadows of Brimstone. I've only gotten to play one character. And uh, it's it, and I, I play a gambler, I believe is the technical name for the class. Yeah. I play it with uh with Jeff who is a what is it, the Frontier Doctor. Doc. Frontier yeah. Doctor is the name of the class. But yeah, the the gambler class I was I always gravitate towards because growing up my all-time favorite western movie was and Mark probably remembers this uh was Gunfight at the OK Corral starring Kirk Douglas as Doc Holliday. Loved Doc Holliday growing up. Took every opportunity if we had to do like a biography on a famous person would you know i've written at least one paper on doc holiday and just his life and stuff like that it was he's just my favorite character from the old west was always doc holiday so when jeff told me about the the gambler class i was like well gotta do that and so very much so modeled him off of doc holiday and also off of like uh jack swift from you know red dead revolver and everything like that so he's very sort of an amalgamation of that and he's um he's a con man uh, fought fought in the Civil War, but did he didn't really want to fight? Very sort of nebulous background, and the rumors are that he he got the nickname Cap because supposedly he was a captain in the military. It's not even true. He just sort of like stole a, a officer's uniform and got the nickname that way. So he's just this very duplicitous uh, sort of uh, debonair character with a lot of panache to him. You know, people gravitate to. He's very charismatic, but he's a con man. You know, he's a shifty guy. Sort of like a more, uh, if you play Red Dead Redemption 2, a more badass Trelawney uh, type character. He is uh, like, it, yeah, Trelawney. Yeah, in the, in the Red Dead series. So uh, a really, really fun play style. You know, you were talking about the use of the dice and everything like that. The One of the cool things about him is some of the abilities you get is, you know, to sort of create your own luck, a la Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight. And sort of, it helps get you out of some really tough situations or make some really cool stuff happen. You know, I know I've been ready to sort of replace a die roll for both myself or you should we should we need it to make something cool happen. But I, I really love uh, playing that gambler character, and he pairs really nicely with Jeff, with your Frontier Doctor character, if you want to tell us a little bit about him, who I, I both love and hate, which is why they're a great pairing. He, he was designed for you to loathe, at least to a certain degree. His name is Fabius B. Quiburn, uh, and the name is... Uh, taken from two different characters that James is completely disgusted by. Uh, the last name Quiburn obviously is from the hand of the queen in Game of Thrones. So Ugh. he's um, well, ousted Maester. He never he never graduated. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a big Quiburn fan in A Song of Ice and Fire, and so I definitely modeled my character after that. Where it scientific kind of like uh herbert west you know it's like uh no ethics or morals will stand in the way as far as the scientific discovery that he's reached and the fact that he's a medical doctor just makes it more disgusting because of the hippocratic oath and then um he also served in the civil war but what sort of weird things he was doing with the people that were at his disposal is anybody's guess and then his first name and his middle initial uh fabius b it comes from fabius bile who is an apothecary in the um, the Emperor's Children, which is one of the legions in Warhammer 40,000 that betrayed the Emperor. And he is a really disgusting son of a bitch. Absolutely who, vile. Yeah, it, it, exactly. The bile rhymes with vile, and that's exactly what he is. has to do with mutations and changes. He's completely fallen to 
the chaotic god Slanesh, which is all about pain and pleasure, and it's it's just gross. And and that is Fabius Biles. So Fabius B. Quiburn, uh, he's a doctor. He's a, a, a veteran at this point as well. And he is just a, a disgusting individual. And the two of them, they've been heroic because of the circumstances that have been, you know, they've been thrown in. But it's not necessarily that that is who he is by nature. And it's just been a lot of fun role playing him with you. Yeah, Cap Abercrombie tolerates uh, the sawbones, as he calls them, but well, dislikes him to a great degree. <laughs> yeah, you said it great once uh, that the two of them are just a couple of pariahs. And, you know, it's it, it's this guy or nobody. You know, yeah. there, there's nobody else in the world to watch your back. And it's like, even though you can't fully trust him, it's all you got. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess we'll get into some of the adventures and things that have happened between them. But it, it is really fun. Again, the amount of role playing that you're willing to put into this game. And I know you created him with sort of my proclivities in mind and how I would react. And you did it masterfully. And it's really, cause you do some really creepy, weird stuff. Like he's collecting samples from these monsters and he just, he, Jeff literally in front of me is scribbling in his little notebook and not telling me what he's writing down. I'm like, God, this guy's a freaking creep, man. Like I'm, I'm a con man and a lying gambler, but at least like I'm on the side of humanity. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't even, you are human at the end of the day. We can't yeah. necessarily say that about Dr. Quiburn anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. and Jeff will just go, how interesting. <laughs> He's like writing in his book. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't do it so much right now because we're on mic. It wouldn't sound the same, but I do a voice also. <laughs> <laughs> I do a voice for Quiburn, and it's just – and yeah, I, it's like um Bill Murray's character in uh, The Royal Tannenbaums where it's just like, how interesting, how bizarre. You know? Yeah. Uh, very there studious. was a time, I'll, just real quick, just one random adventure. Uh, we were fighting vampires in space, and, oh, and James God. actually became infected and was going to become a vampire. And it I was, was within my power to heal him and make him human again. But Quiburn was like sort of hesitant to do so. <laughs> wanted to see what happened. <laughs> he wanted, and yeah, not to see a vampire. He just wanted to see the mutation. He wanted to see how it changed you. I was eventually, I was of course, I did. I, I helped Abercrombie because even though you could do a vampire hero and have your character have vampire skills, there's setbacks and everything. It's like if you play Skyrim or really any of the Elder Scrolls games, you know, there's pluses and minuses to being a vampire. You know what's funny? It you wouldn't just have, didn't feel like doing it. It wouldn't have been totally out of Cap Abercrombie's character to be a vampire, given it kind of would have been cool. His his carousing and saloon going, and you know, the love of just that whole social life and and how he interacts with other people and they're drawn to him, which is very vampire esque. Uh, he he is a bit of a ham. I, I definitely have my my Cap voice too, and just the the sort of the over the top outlandish nature. But I I just I love those adventures. I'd forgotten about that vampire one. That was a that was a toughie. But we 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 that was one of our last. Those vampires are tough to fight. Yeah, we were on the derelict spaceship, so they were space vampires. And uh, damn, yeah, they're they're tough. And we had a couple of henchmen with us. They're dead. Yeah, we'll (laughs) talk about those. I think we have the mule. That's all we've got. Ugh, obstinate mule. Uh, Mark, what kind of character did you go with? Because Jeff and I had an idea for what we thought you should play. You did not go that route. But (laughs) what did you what did you pick? Uh, I went strong and silent type. I uh, went lawman, uh, a little m- more mature of a character, and paired with Jeff's uh, orphan. It was very much like a true grit kind of story. It's uh, very true uh, grit. Yeah, uh, of us just going through. I I wasn't very boisterous with personality, but I had my heart going in the right direction, and I was very stern with the justice. So Mark is 
Mark is a solid role player with it too. And we're just talking about like what a, they're almost like a old West Batman and Robin. And it's just an incredibly uh, awful experience for the orphan. Just all the things he's been exposed to. We're almost like Rick and Morty in that sense too. And the orphan is just exposed to all of these awful, awful things. And we had that one henchman who was with us for a little while. Who's just abusive to the orphan and would just say mean things to him. Yeah. Uh, Lee, I think it was, but <laughs> but he was he was a good chap until the brain wardens got him. Yeah, like. he ended up getting brain slugs that made his head explode. Wait, right now, in front of the orphan. Now I'm going to stop you right there. Explain the brain slugs and how this comes about. And I don't know if you have it in front of you to where you can read uh, what, how oh. the description of the brain slugs is, but yeah. so uh, there's all these that, different things. Yeah, yeah. While he's looking that yeah, up, yeah. like one of the parts of of this uh it's almost kind of like a dungeon crawler in a way when you're going through the mine shafts and exploring uh the realm that is shadows of brimstone and on each tile uh that builds out the map you can basically explore see if there's like hidden treasure or or things lurking in the shadows and whatnot and so when you have a henchman you get basically get extra turns of rolling the dice and moving a character and so forth so i was just using our henchman who was who was a good guy? He just kind of hung out with me, you know. We shared a drink here and there, and uh, yeah, the two of them would get drunk constantly. It was Wait, ridiculous. How old's this orphan? <laughs> not old. Oh enough. no, not the orphan. The henchman and the lawman oh, would get henchman. drunk. Oh, that's yeah. right. You're the orphan. The orphan's probably like I don't know, thirteen. Maybe okay. that's kind of how I picture him. At a certain time, a man just needs the company of other men. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think I know what you're saying. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, so I was using him to explore just something very nonchalant, like, nah, yeah, I'll look under this rock and just brain slugs. Oh uh, my God. And we lost the poor bastard. Dude, there, so I know Jeff's looking it up right now. But I've, one I've of, got it, yeah. Oh, you've got it? Okay, go ahead. And then I want to bring up one of the ones that I think that we have faced that I am looking forward to Cap dueling with at some point down the line. But uh, go ahead. What? So read the brain slug so, scenario. So, yeah, if you have a henchman, what you can do is uh, instead of risking your own characters to, like, look through a tunnel or anything like that, you can send a henchman to do it instead. And then you roll a die to see, hey, was it all right or does something bad happen to them? And there's a very good chance that something bad happens to them. Very much so. And if so. it does, they give you 66 different options of what horrible <laughs> thing could happen to them. Because you roll two dice and then those are the two numbers. So we rolled 63. We got the mind, word in, mind worm infestation. And it goes, clutching his head in agony, the henchman falls to the floor as the mind worms devour his brain. And then all of us had to make a spirit test or we took uh, three hits and three horror hits because I think the brain slugs then attacked us after they ruptured his skull. Ugh. And then, of course, just the, the idea of seeing that uh, it shakes a man. You lost your drinking, just, buddy. And we just completely wasted him. He hung out with us for a couple missions, too. Yeah, he was a part <laughs> of the team. He was a part of the team. Uh, definitely, you know, the, the, the tres capilleros. And, and he, we just wasted him. Just like dead, yeah, never coming back. Real quick, dead. Like, ah. But that's the beauty of the game, <laughs> though, good. is that is that sort of th- that creeping sort of vulnerability of those henchman characters adds to the experience. If you were to be a superhero in this world, uh, you know, just like you know, when we go to Mark Hamill's Taylor character, what's your name? What's uh, what what's what's your deal there, Jeff? We'll start with you because if you're a true believer, you know that that Jeff is a master at this sort of stuff with House <laughs> Bud and our, our Game of Thrones talk. So who's your who's your invincible superhero, Jeff? I'm like Batman. You give me enough prep time, you know, it's like I'll make it work. 
I, I, I came up with two characters, actually. Um, nice. The one that I came up with first, his name is Feedback, and he basically uses, like, sound waves. It's kind of like Banshee, but it doesn't come out of his mouth. He can just kind of generate it from, like, his hands or something like that. Nice. Uh, and then also I was going to do the flying As an ability. audio file, I really appreciate that, by the way. <laughs> and then so, like, he also, he doesn't normally wear a cape, but he can, like, push this thing on his chest where it's kind of like this glider cape, and then he can shoot the sound waves into the glider, and that's how he sort of flies. And then, uh, and then he can just glide the rest of the way. Um, I wanted, uh, what was I, I was thinking as far as the design goes, I was thinking maybe just like some cool sunglasses as far as covering his face goes. Um, head sock for sure, because mm. I just feel that's how it should be. I like how everybody's hair looks when they're wearing the <laughs> head sock. Also, I was thinking maybe he could have like some sort of sound muffling thing in his ears in the head sock, just because of the power that he has. And then color scheme... I was thinking it was probably going to be like black and blue because I really like those colors. But to make it a little different than Invincible, um, it would probably be a darker shade of blue. So maybe more like uh, our, our Mortal Kombat champion, Cole Young, uh, nice. sub, a.k.a. Sub-Zero. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was thinking um, there would be a part where like he was one of the people that they, they put in like the way of Omni-Man or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. I've never used like my sound powers like this hard before. And Cecil's <laughs> like, we'll work out on your feedback. And then I'm doing it. And then like Omni-Man just like slowly coming over and then just ripping <laughs> both of his arms. Out of his and, and that's how feedback dies. Oh, shit. But it would have been cool. It would have been a cool way to go. <laughs> it would have been. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the other character I came up with is... Um, his name is Tech Deck, and so it's all techno technological <laughs> gadgets, and he rides a skateboard, and he's like a young teen genius, so he's like only like 14 years old, and he goes uh, to the same high school as uh, as the main character, so he knows like Mark and Eve and everything like that, and, and so he's kind of dressed up like, did you ever watch the TV show Static Shock? No. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like his friend when he started getting abilities and it was all like uh, technopath stuff and he kind of had like an outfit like that. So it would be like this flying skateboard and then also like he'd wear the helmet and he'd have like a bunch of like circuitry and stuff like that. He'd probably have some like computer gauntlet thing that he types into. Um, no actual superpowers though. He's just a genius. And so he just, it's all self-made type stuff. I didn't know if I would have him be on a team. I feel he's too young to actually be on the team team because like he's really like on the outs. He's like just a real up and comer type character. And so maybe he's just more of like sort of a follow along, tag along type character like that. And even idolizes like Invincible and everything because of how young he is. So that would have been my other character. And his color scheme is more like red, white, and silver. Dope. Marco, what do nice. you got? So uh, my character I, I have in my mind is is named soul like like the sun and nice. and it's someone mm. that's kind of like worshipped as a god in, in 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 certain areas and people like totally praise them and they actually get their power from the sun and the and the solar radiation and so it kind of comes off like looking like light powers but it's also extremely radioactive so like they could touch people and just start like melting them and burning them as well as shooting some blasts but you gotta still regenerate it through the sun itself and power up so eventually you get weakened through battle and you can be out you got nothing you gotta go recharge but uh yeah lots of like deity worshipping and stuff like that and abusing their power Excellent. <laughs> like taking advantage of people yeah I like it I like it uh, who I came up with is Tempest Imperium 
He's a Roman legionnaire gifted with powers of time manipulation. So he, of course, traveled, you know, back and forward in time to become a master of war. Uh, but in doing so, created, you know, a few fractures in the space-time continuum. So he came to the age of heroes, the invincible world, because he feels responsible for why all the bad shit's going on. And he, he figures that through his vast knowledge, being in the time period where all these heroes exist are their best chance for total victory. Uh, and so his, his time manipulation power, the further ahead or back he goes, the more chance for fractures in the space-time continuum there are. So basically, he's kind of Omega-13ing it, is how he fights, which is while he's fighting, he can rewind and sort of adjust to what his opponent's going to throw at him, and that doesn't create any sort of issues because the shorter the period of time, the more accurate he's able to use his power. And so think in terms of his color scheme, like Maximus, the general from Gladiator, before he became... Uh, the actual gladiator with the cloak and everything like that and the armor and stuff. That's why I'm rocking. Cause I, cause I, I love going backwards and forward in time and living in the past. So <laughs> <laughs> that would absolutely be uh, my character. Does he know immortal? Uh, he probably does yeah. actually. <laughs> Originally uh, he was going to have just lived a bunch of lifetimes in ancient Rome. And I actually read about immortal. I was like, Oh, that's kind of his thing. So I had to change his, his backstory <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so uh, that that's what I got going on. But I, I just love the idea of like a little rewind power in, in fighting. I think it's kind of a, it's similar to sort of the speed force, but, but also, but in reverse almost some would say I'm the reverse. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just want to do that fun little, I, what a cool world. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing more heroes in Invincible, more villains and in, in what we get into. The finale, the finals of our Horror October Madness bracket went down. Uh, but before we get into how the final matchup between Freddie and Michael Myers went down, let's, let's take a quick peek back at how we got here. Let's, let's go all the way back to round one. One there were, you know, these these 16 combatants of horror, just icons that were going at it. In the first round, Michael Myers defeated Pumpkinhead. Uh, of course, you know, the cult favorite in Pumpkinhead was uh, was no match for, for Michael Myers uh, and all of, you know, just what he represents. Uh, Jason took on Mrs. Voorhees in a battle that everybody wanted. Between you know the two, the two, two of the franchise, you know, how the franchise started out. Mrs. Voorhees, the original killer from Friday the Thirteenth, taking on the more iconic killer of Friday the Thirteenth, and of course Jason carried the day there. Of course, probably, probably narrowly, but I don't really remember the totals. Uh, pretty much went uncontested. Ghostface, <laughs> who is uh, somebody that I thought would make big waves uh, in this tournament, defeated the Leprechaun. Uh, Pennywise sure. beat Candyman. Chucky beat uh, my sentimental favorite, Jack Frost. Uh, you know, maybe Jack Frost will make an appearance uh, in another tournament down the line. He has, a, he has a tendency to reform and come back when you least expect it. Uh, Freddy Krueger beat Ben Willis, and if you don't know who that is, uh, of course you don't. He's the hook hand guy from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, and <laughs> Somehow he, made it in. <laughs> he was, hey, I Know What You Did Last Summer was big in the 90s. I guess he had to be there. Uh, Norman, Norman Bates scored an upset over Jigsaw in the first round. Leatherface defeated Pinhead of Hellraiser, and that rounded out the first round of this tournament. When we moved into round two, it was Michael Myers defeating Pennywise in a very close competitive matchup. Jason 
danced all over Ghostface and cruised on by him. I was uh, that was the one that I was I was very surprised at how not close that was. And that is what sort of got me worried about what Michael Myers fate in this tournament would be, because Michael Myers had a little bit of trouble with Pennywise. And then on the other side of the bracket, Chucky easily defeated Norman Bates and Freddie easily beat Leatherface. And that took us to the semifinals in which Michael Myers in the closest battle uh, to date narrowly got by Jason. I mean, that was a tough one. And there was a lot of chatter in the discord about would the Jasonites rally behind Michael Myers because Freddie handily beat Chucky of child's play setting up the finals that we got to tonight. And, you know, I, I'll shout out Riku again, who tried to sort of rally uh, the troops of Jason, the supporters of Jason to then, you know, switch gears and support Michael Myers in this finale. This, our inaugural edition of the Horror October Madness finals, Michael Myers, a one seed from the A side of the bracket, taking on Freddie, a controversial two seed from the B side of the bracket came down. It was close, but not close enough. Freddie, in fact, prevailed over Michael Myers. Uh, you know, this has been a lot of fun. What? Con- what? Prevailed what? in dreamland, baby. I, Dude, did you not see the your, final total, Mark? Where's all your producer magic? Don't, <laughs> don't worry. The other things going into this, you want to put the winner? Well, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I, I, look, okay, congratulations to our inaugural Horror October Madness champion, Freddy Krueger. You know, I mean, he and he did it. He did it with style. The controversy about him being a two seed. He easily made his way to the finals. I will say it wasn't easy in the final. Michael Myers put up a great fight. No doubt about it that they they slashed the shit out of each other in this one. But in the end, Freddy does prevail. What is your guys sort of th- I mean, th- to me, this has been a lot of fun interacting with everybody on Discord. Again, bestdamnerdshow.com slash Discord if you wish to join and be part of this moving forward. And if you didn't vote, shame on you. You've got no right to complain. Uh, but I will say we did have record high voter turnout for this one. But Freddy, in fact, is the champion. Uh, Marco, what, what is your, your reaction to how, how uh, this one shook out in the finals? You know, I get it. Kids nowadays, they need a little Kids more nowadays. like like the slashy, gashy, like flair and personality. I'm an old school person. I just want that stone cold, siller, silent type. Uh, you know, it, it makes everything you described was like better than <laughs> just it's like, it's like, yeah, no, that means he's better. Everything that you said. No, no, no. See, that's what I'm talking about. No, I don't need all that, that extra flair. I just want the tried and true steady killer. Uh, Michael Myers was my dude. Freddie never really been that into him, but I get the appeal. People like to laugh. People go to movies to laugh, right, James? I don't go. I don't go to laugh. What's better than a horror movie that you just giggle in? Sure. What the hell is giggling during that? I don't know. Welcome to primetime, bitch. <laughs> See? See? But, uh, you know, I, I'm sad that uh, Imperial Commissar Jeff Budd could not be here. Uh, perhaps he, he didn't make it out of the bracket himself. I don't, I don't know what happened within these things. Perhaps some sort of tragedy has befallen the rest of the nerd show. But, Davis, I know that you were a supporter of Freddy as well. Uh, what's your take on how, how it shook out in the finals and, and, and how you like Mr. Kruger being our first champion? 
What are you? Are you reading votes out there? You looking at who's voting for who? I do. Now you're a speaker ballot. You know, I, I, I went to visit. I saw Jeff last week as well, and he was trying to play coy with me. Like, oh, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. <laughs> I knew exactly who he was going to vote for. And I knew he would betray me and vote for Freddy Krueger. But that's OK. That's OK. I get it. He's it's 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 whatever rubric you wanted. Yeah, and, I, um, and my rubric and, and changed mid-tournament. <laughs> why, why was that? Well, because last, last week and previous weeks, I've been going off who I think would actually win in the fight, and then this time I just picked who I liked more. <laughs> so <laughs> I yeah, went not with necessarily, <laughs> Not necessarily mutually exclusive. I mean, Freddy is terrifying and powerful and funny. He's great. He's uh, He's got the look down. I think everybody... Uh, just kind of goes off uh, what they remember the most. And I think he's more memorable than Michael personally. And also he has wow. a Rick and Morty reference. So he's more topical at the moment. That show still on still running strong, baby. Is it? <laughs> oh yeah. Is it? Is it or they fall in love with their own legend now and just smelling their own, their I own mean, every 18 it. months to two years that they release a new season. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love some of the early stuff. I, I digress though. Uh, yeah, Fre- Freddie was victorious. Uh, my fears about how our faithful would treat Michael Myers came to pass in the finals. It's too you know? bad Freddie didn't play Jack Frost because that would have been close. I think if we had that, <laughs> if, if Jack Frost, the sentimental, you know, what, he might have picked. Up, he might have been a little bit of a snowball effect if he had made it to oh. the finals. Pick, <laughs> pick up some steam, and uh, you know, maybe been the sentimental uh, victor in the finals. But that's not what I came mean, to pass. I do have a little bit of uh, pomp and circumstance, though, for our inaugural champion. So uh, why don't we gather back around the campfire? Because there's more to the story. Oh, in Nerdosphere, you, you didn't think I'd let Halloween pass without one last good scare, do you? I warned everyone that a Michael Myers defeat would have grave consequences. I was so desperate. In my desperation, I turned to a man I didn't fully understand. And now he's out. Is that Michael Myers stirring? No, it's someone far more evil, far more vile than anyone that is in that tournament. And he's back. And he's back for revenge! You fools. It's Adam Zika! <laughs> Zika! <laughs> Didn't, no. you know for Freddy... Didn't you know that voting for Freddy would bring about the creation of the new Fred movies? No. Need to watch for bad movie night. You can't plan that synergy. Did it seem like a surprise to you? <laughs> no. No, we can't David, bring back. We can't bring you, back Zika. <laughs> you did this. Adam Zika has returned from the dead. Can I have some more? Uh, I have some more picks. We've got Dracula 4000, <laughs> Mummy Mickey 2, and Game Box 2.0. No! <laughs> <laughs> We have unleashed upon this world a horror far greater than anything we've ever seen. The finals of the Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter bracket battle 
have come uh, and gone. <laughs> still going on? No, it's over who's, now. Who's it's, the idiot who wanted so many people? The, the Illuminati. I would would not say such things if I were you. <laughs> My feet just cuts out. Yeah, their their rage can be swift and without mercy. Uh, but it, the finals were set. It was Sub Zero versus Sagat. And uh, Sub-Zero with a pretty uh, definitive victory. The Cinderella story of Sagat. He might have been on the villain side, but he was a hero in a lot of, uh, a lot of fans' hearts. Some but would Sub-Zero... say that about Sub-Zero. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Mark. Your sort of worst nightmare coming to be that Sub-Zero, who you saw as a villain, Doesn't uh, make sense. winning it for the heroes. <laughs> Jeff, explain it to him. Oh, I'm sorry. I was uh, reading something. I was <laughs> well, Mark's complaining about Sub-Zero <laughs> being on the hero's side. Oh, dude, idiot. Mark, come on. It's a violent thing. Now, the younger brother's <laughs> always been a hero. Have you played any Mortal Kombat game in like this century? Uh, no, this century, no. DC, yeah, that's... <laughs> the DC ones. Actually, I, I don't even know who the Sub Zero like... is in that. Is that supposed to be Kwai Liang? I don't even know when that takes place in timeline or if it even matters. I've seen either way, Sub Zero's dude's evil. I'm just saying, cold as ice. Uh, wait, you saw the second movie? Because and by second, uh, no. what, Annihilation, Annihilation or whatever, he was a good no. guy in that. He nope. saved Liu Kang from nope. Scorpion. <laughs> Just mm. the original and the new one. Evil. I mean, those, are, Mark... those are both Bihan, though. That's Noob Saibot, and he was on the evil side. This is his younger brother, who was originally named Tundra, uh, even though we never right. knew him under that name. He's Sub-Zero. So this is really Sub-Zero 2? This is... Yeah, uh, Sub Sub Zero. So Sub Zero Two, the Super Sub Zero. I, I look, Mark, the sequel, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm with you. That the I majority prefer... of Sub Zero is Kwai Liang. Unfortunately, yeah. Mm. Unfortunately, mm. but yeah, Sub Zero. Mm. Mm. Suspect. So your, your overall thoughts on on how the tournament shook out? Before we are going to be giving to you, Nerdosphere, a an ending befitting of this tournament, a Mortal Kombat esque uh, ending here for Sub-Zero's victory, but before hey, we do the, that... half the roster is Street Fighter. Yeah, well, it was just, it's a Street Fighter-esque ending. And then, I mean, the winner well, was Mortal if you Kombat. count Chun-Li, I guess a little over half A little Mortal bit of Kombat. both. <laughs> a little bit of both. But your overall thoughts on how the, the tournament played out, Jeff? I mean, we have already spoiled it that Sub-Zero won. <laughs> I, <laughs> which is fine, because I, I feel like he's a top-tier candidate. He's one of the ones that probably was a favorite to win in the first place. I'm I'm happy with it. I I'm glad that a hero won because that means that the Nerdosphere continues to survive in the canon. Otherwise, we That's were going right. to have to do some sort of Elseworlds Nerdosphere. It wouldn't have been as fun. Um, maybe we could have changed like roles on the show or something like that. You know, it's like Microsoft <laughs> Alchemist Jeff Budd. Oh my God, he's the Microsoft Alchemist in, <laughs> in Universe like sixty-seven or something like that. Um, yeah, no, I I liked it. I liked what happened with Victor Sagat too. You know, Cinderella yeah. story. Yeah. You know. Former champion, you know, hard times, and then made good. He's back. You know, it's it's like Cinderella, man. Yeah, and he lost in the end. Well, <laughs> there you go. There, there he is. Marco, other than your besmirchment that Sub-Zero's on the hero side, what did you think Dude, about just how the whole thing Sub-Zero and the heroes, no Kung Lao, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, overall, I mean, pretty exciting. I, I was yeah, definitely a Chun-Li guy. I was really hoping Chun-Li was going to go far, so... The fact well, that she, she beat out, she yeah, she went super right. free. She beat Ryu. Right. I was hoping she would win. Hero finals, hoping she would win. Well, you don't uh, even count Final Zero four, as a that was my hero, lady. So, exactly, she was so, the top yeah, Mark, hero for you. In, yeah, in Mark's mind, she was the last hero standing. Yeah, yeah. she's fantastic. Uh, so that was really cool though to see her come so far. And my dude Goro getting so far, that was exciting. I was giving him the one up. 
every time. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, frightful. Definitely big bad villain. He has four hands. Come on. Um, I don't know. Did you see the Mortal Kombat movie? <laughs> yeah, it, any of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a oh, bad guy. <laughs> uh, so it was fun. I, I liked it shaking out in the Discord and people rallying behind the characters they enjoyed. Uh, definitely a couple upsets that I didn't expect. And sub zero to win it all. Come on, lame. What are you talking about? I, He's like one of the most popular characters in both games. Oh, honestly, other than Ryu, contest. if it wasn't Ryu, Sub Zero Actually, was yeah, that I was one of the win. voting criteria. <laughs> Wait, what's up? I said other than Ryu, Sub Zero would have been who I thought would have won. So once, I mean, it kind yeah, I, I expected I Ryu versus Sub Zero in the Hero Finals. Honestly, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, like with Ryu, it's like I don't think anybody is against Ryu, but I don't know how many people consider him their favorite. You know what I mean? It's like I genuinely like Ryu, so I voted I for too. him. I voted for him. I think every time he was up against somebody, I don't. I don't think he was ever up against anybody that I I would have liked more. But I mean, I would have voted know, for I, him over Scorpion or Sub Zero, and I, and I love the Lin Kuei. Yeah, and well, the, I, and the, I wanted you know, Ryu versus Shao Kahn, and so yeah, I definitely would have voted for him. But I, I think it's fine. And then also, like just looking at like Street Fighter Five, he's not even really in the main story. Like Chun Li actually is more of like you know, one of the protagonists as opposed to him. That's why the Street Fighter story kind of sucks. Yeah. And, and Mortal Kombat beats him in that is because what are you doing with like your main guy? He's growing a beard and he's like living by himself somewhere. This is he's homeless. This is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I guess I mean, he's always I, homeless, really. When I, when yeah, I think fighting games, though, trees and throwing air kicks. Your you know mic I mean? sounds terrible now, John. <laughs> um but yeah, when I when I think when I think fighting games, I think Ryu pretty much more than anyone else. So, but you know, Ch Chun Li well, had a lot of Smash Brothers. That's right. Well, what were you saying in Discord? By the way, that's bestdamnerdshow.com slash Discord. Uh, oh. If you wish to opine about Chun Li and Sub Zero. Yeah, uh, is what was it called? PlayStation All Stars or something like that? It was like mm. PlayStation's version of Smash oh, Brothers. Smash. We played it. We played it at that demo in um, Comic Con, where like I was Nathan Drake, and I forget. Uh, they had um, they had a bunch of characters basically yeah, from the PlayStation games. What they wanted to do was, as far as DLC characters go, they were going to have Sub Zero represent Mortal Kombat, and they were going to have Chun Li represent Street Fighter. And the thing is, there's never been a video game where Mortal Kombat characters and Street Fighter characters have actually met before. So that would have been the first game ever in history where that would have been the case. And it was Sub Zero and Chun Li that they chose as the representatives. And this was something that was just like on an idea wall that somebody from Sony was able to share. So it's like they were way down the line of ever even like really making that happen. And then since the game tanked, it obviously didn't happen. Um yeah. but at least that was one of the things that they were discussing. So that would have been kind of cool if that was the case. And I'm just sort of happy that with the Nerdosphere, the way we voted we got to see Sub-Zero versus Chun-Li, and we saw how it played out, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I do wish the final had been a little bit more competitive, but it is what it is. Here we are now, and it's time. Well, maybe you shouldn't have been championing uh, Sagat. Maybe we should have had a real villain in there. Uh, I, I mean, Sagat I was never would have won. Look, look how much my <laughs> championing him did for him in the final round. Not not very well at all. Uh, but let's let's get to this. The <laughs> Nobody beats Sub-Zero. <laughs> the the ending of the tournament we've got a little uh a little something special here for you so here we go this is the canon ending for the mortal Kombat versus street fighter bracket battle <clears throat> with a definitive uppercut sub-zero vanquished his final foe and claimed ultimate victory in the tournament with his triumph sub-zero saved earth realm and the nerdosphere from certain destruction as the new grand champion 
he feels finally the time has come to set right his complicated and convoluted past once and for all and reveal his true identity. I am the one true Sub-Zero. I always have been and always will be. I am Sub-Zero, the new grand champion and deadliest of the Lin Kuei. And as he removes his mask, he shouts, I am Cole Young. <laughs> Amid the wailing and cries of horror in the distance, the mischievous laughter of Quan Chi can be heard. <laughs> And there it is, your Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter bracket battle canon ending. Yuck. The hero we all knew we needed, Cole Young, is Sub-Zero. I don't further, want it. Further muddying the sort of lineage and identity of, of who Sub-Zero really is. But according to this, actually now, he's been Sub-Zero all along through all the games. So so we got that good. so we've coalesced under the Cole Young banner for uh, for all you Sub-Zero fans. So hope everybody's excited. I feel the Warner Brothers execs have somehow weighed in and taken control of our tournament. I don't <laughs> well, know when that happened. That's who we face in the sequel is Anne Sarnoff sitting on Shao Kahn's throne. So <laughs> pathetic. Adam Zika and Cole Young. I don't know what is a more terrifying surprise, but those bracket battle finals uh, always seem to have a twist or turn involved in them. We're going to take one more break. On the other side, you will hear never-before-released Best Damn Nerd Show audio. And since it is Comic-Con week, and since it is such a big part of who we are here at the Best Damn Nerd Show and the Neurosphere at large, uh, we're going to relive some of our Best of Comic-Con memories as well. On the other side, in the Best Damn Nerd Show Best of. It's the Microphone Alchemist Bimbo Jimbo here, and when I'm not verbally super-kicking Last Jedi fans on the Best Damn Nerd Show or fantasy casting The Rock in another movie on the DLC, well, that's when I actually get to talk about wrestling. That's right. Come join me in the Wrestling War Room, where I take my mic to the mat and launch my hot takes about the Wednesday Night War between AEW and NXT. The Wrestling War Room. Which side are you on? I would rather have a day job than be a Pokemon master. Han Solo is clearly more attractive than Indiana Jones. I would take the Star Wars trilogy over the Matrix trilogy any time. The Legend of Zelda versus Super Mario. Who's better in bed, Jafar or Gaston? And would Thanos masturbate with the Infinity Gauntlet or not? Every week, Nerd Rage The Great Debates brings you the funniest comics, writers, and podcasters to settle some of geekdom's most divisive topics. Find us on Spotify or wherever you find podcasts. Hey. Hey, nerd. Loremaster Tim here, and I've come with a rather indecent proposal. We want you to join in the conversation. If you aren't already a member of our Discord, what are you even doing? You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TheBDNS. And if you're crazy, odds are we'll talk about it on the show, so we'll get kooky, and above all, let's get nerdy. And welcome back, Nerdosphere. James Kincaid here for one last segment on this Best Damn Nerd Show, Best Of Volume 1, and uh, for this final segment, I want to give you a, at least a little bit of a treat for, for going through this clip show, which I think is a lot of fun, but, you know, I know we all prefer new content, and that's exactly what I'm going to give you here to lead off this next segment. As you know, we are on Patreon, bestdamnerdshow.com slash 
Patreon, and I was sort of toying with an idea of something that we could put on there that I called Innerd Sanctum. So Inner Sanctum, but, you know, adding the D for nerd uh, on there. And uh, essentially what it was, the test run that you're going to hear in, in a moment, is me uh, cobbling together moments from the cutting room floor, audio from the cutting room floor of the best damn nerd show whether that's uh in in breaks you know but between segments whether that's before the show with us just cutting it up getting ready for the show and talking about what we're about to discuss or afterward uh i'm usually always recording on on some device and some of my favorite things that you know most you know hilarious moments and 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 things like that happen in in the in between so that was where the genesis of this idea came from it's a lot more labor intensive as i found out to put it together every week so this didn't launch i still think it's a good idea and uh, it allowed me to sort of get my creative juices flowing and and harken back and do some homages to old time radio which is near and dear to my heart so this was a sort of pilot for what could have been some exclusive release material and might still be i don't know maybe i'll get some more free time to do some more of these uh, and i'll just release them when they get done and so i hope you enjoy this unique piece of content and then from there we're going to close out this best of talking about San Diego Comic-Con. It's Comic-Con week. It's uh, something very special to all of us nerds, and especially here at the Best Damn Nerd Show, it is uh, always a time when we try our best to get together uh, and, you know, have that camaraderie and, and friendship and make more memories together. We were cheated of that last year because of the pandemic, but we are back together once again. And so you will hear from our Comic-Con retrospective talking about the Hatch jokes and just the greatness that is the late Richard Hatch. And then from there, the legacy of Comic-Con, what it means to us personally why it's important and that'll close it out so let's start again with that never before released piece of audio right now in the case of nuclear or radiological fallout people living around <laughs> <laughs> greetings and welcome nerdosphere if you are hearing my voice it is because you are a part of the BDNS inner sanctum. On the other side of the door within the theater of the mind lies audio secrets yet unheard by others' ears. So, set your decoder rings to BDNS and welcome to the inner sanctum. And do close the door behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is from the Muppet episode. So are we doing Hottest That's Muppets? Not. No, we're not doing Hottest Muppets. Why not? Oh, uh, Hottest Muppets, Janice. What's up, stoner bitch? <laughs> I want Gonzo's chicken, dog. Camilla? Mm-hmm. Get that feather. Why don't we do a bang, boom, kill? What? A bang boom Whatever kapow? A merry fuck bang kill? Boom. Yeah. Well, there's like... <laughs> Who you marrying? Who you doing? Tell you what, I'm Who fucking kill? killing Miss Piggy. Mm. Yeah, fucking hate her, dude. She, like, uh, I'll, bring, I'll save it for the show, but fuck.
The worst. <laughs> the worst. Who you marrying? You, boo. Gonzo, for sure. Gonzo guy, dude. Ugh. Dude, how annoying that shit would get on your nerves. No, dude. I'm a... I like Gonzo. Um, <laughs> did you watch Meet the Feebles with Adam yes. and I? Okay, good, because we got to bring that up in the last segment. <laughs> Meet of... the Feebles. <laughs> oh, fuck. Have you seen Meet yeah. the Feebles, Davis? I've heard of it. <laughs> One rabbit falls apart from having horrible VD. That's what they something. think. That's what they think it is. It's actually just uh, rabbit pox. It's like Muppet AIDS. <laughs> yeah, because he's having... <laughs> meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles. Peter Jackson. One of his betters. I would not say it was his finest. Can you picture that? Like a sex puppet movie he made or whatever? It's like a... Meet the Feebles. Yeah. It wasn't a horror movie. Oh, it's not. Didn't no, he just, do horror just a horrible movie? Yeah, he did. Uh, he did horror movies. Uh, Evil. No, sorry. Dead Alive. Yeah, that, that is. is his best movie. That's it. Well, kick ass for the Lord. Dead Alive. We watched that together no too, did we, Mark? Uh, we gotta do a Dead Alive movie night for Halloween. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and then there's Avenue Q. But I don't know anything about it. Oh, yeah. Avenue Q. It's like that musical. I've seen that. That's the mm-hmm. everybody's a little bit racist sometimes musical. I think so. Yeah. It's a very adult show with Muppets. Yeah, yeah. I've it's seen it. It's good. Show. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, I saw Hamilton a couple yeah. weeks ago on Disney+. Plus. I'm yeah, a fuck- it was great. I'm a fucking Hamilton guy now, dude, in the shower. Mm-hmm. So it's worth watching, huh? Oh, yeah. It was great. It's good. It, it really. I mean, if you is, love America, Davis. That that's the whole thing. Is that like it is right now, Mark? I do not. It is a cool American this tale. Is the unadulterated American musical. Like some some of the rap stuff is a little forced, but some of it's really good. But like George Washington is the shit. He's awesome in it. Which I feel mm-hmm. like if he wasn't good, the whole thing would fall to pieces. But he's incredible. Just um, like America. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the weakest part of the show is probably Lin Manuel Miranda. Like, and it's not like a detriment, yeah, it's just, but he, just his, his voice, yeah, uh, he, but he also hit it somewhat, didn't but. give himself the best songs, like, I, and I think purposefully, because I think he knows where his talent lies in putting the whole thing together, but like, Aaron Burr is awesome, uh, Lafayette yeah. is great, mm-hmm. uh, this is a good show, Thomas Jefferson, yeah, made me the cry, the battle end. was good, yeah, made me cry. I didn't and was not dude, expecting that. Dude, I was getting that. welled up on shit. Dude, and it the and a character that I did not expect to make me cry. It was that was good stuff. I'm, so I'm a Hamilton guy now. I've watched like three times since. So oh oh, oh yeah, wow, you went yet. you went deep. <laughs> uh, sometimes Marcella asks for it. She calls it America. Oh my America. god, that's like, amazing! Can I watch? Yes, yeah. you can, little lady. Because that's yes, how we set her can. down <laughs> to watch her. Like we're learning about America today. <laughs> that's incredible. That, it's like three uh, hours. We don't have time to watch three hours. Like after she goes to bed, so we had to put just, it on while she was awake. Do you just put the toy dumpster fire in front of her when she says she wants to watch America? Or <laughs> no? <laughs> Where can I find Muppet Babies streaming, dude? Disney Plus. That, like should they have be. the old one. It should be if if they if anyone has it, it's Disney Plus. I thought they maybe just want to pimp that new one. Let me see. Uh, they might. Uh, let me see. I can check real quick. New one sucks. 
Fozzie and Kermit fight over opening a pizza joint because they both want to make pizzas differently. They're babies. They learn. But the babies. Are the babies opening a pizza joint? Like a pretend pizza joint. FYI, the. So they're both. No, they should be like this. This 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 version of the Muppet Babies should have them like showing scenes from the Avengers. They don't do movie scenes for Muppet Babies anymore. Mark's saying that the Kermit and who are arguing over opening up a pizza joint. Yeah, Fozzie and Kermit were arguing over opening a pizza joint and what toppings are on their pizzas. Yeah, I mean it's it's to learn about like compromise and playing together. I get it. Also, I don't they, like it. They do not have the old ones. Uh, you know, I don't recall if they do like the movie, like homages in their playtime. I also need like borderline inappropriate movies, like Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> they should be doing the Jason Momoa one on the new Muppet Babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all. This should be like they open. Gonzo opens up a doorway, and then there's like Iron Man and Captain America, or or Loki. Yeah, oh, I got that door. Dude, yeah, anytime like they're uh, and they're doing something, and then it's like, I I understood that reference. You yeah, know, it's like, I mean, come on. Well, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> they should even dude, they should even make, the they, like Gonzo stuff. should reference that the flying monkeys reference is too dated for the new show. Like that's how meta we could get with this. I first opened that outline. Uh, not gonna lie, I looked at it a little later than most, but I was like, "Jesus, twenty-one pages! What the, what the fuck was written in here?" You yeah, don't like I, my dinosaurs history? I I don't really even like. I view those outlines as more. No, they're mom, great. The baby no, gotta confused. love me. Not I was the just confused. I was like, "How's there twenty-one pages?" I remember pages when that video notes? was sweeping the nation. That was a big deal. Oh yeah, you guys were still doing Muppet Babies, I believe. I'm a little older, but uh. That's that was a real thing. Uh, what dinosaurs? No, um, the yeah, well, yeah, dinosaurs and uh, I'm the baby, gotta love me as an actual song that was playing on TV all the time. Um, that was a big deal. People love that baby. Mm-hmm. I remember well, dinosaurs like that. were a real Maybe big deal. Toy. Toy. L- little even way the dinosaur. Squeeze pan. Yeah, the fr- oh from Subway. Was that what it was from? All the little action I, figures. Yeah, the, those the were little Subway action, action figure figures. Where it's like on like a pump cord. Yes. Yeah. Those are from Subway. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, being and from then Subway, all the but... family members have little stands that connect together like puzzle pieces, so mm-hmm. that it like creates a set. Yeah, we yeah. had the whole collection. Those are some of the first Subway toys. I just we ever had, had baby. The the other ones were better. I used to um, I used to do fantasy adventures with them. <laughs> like the dad was a barbarian. Uh, I think I had the son as like an archer. Uh, the mom was a ninja, and then I I think a healer was uh, the the teenage daughter. I, my, I my, was a nerd. I belong on this podcast. My favorite gag on that show was he, the son or whatever getting test answers wrong because he's like, I just don't understand. Why do the date numbers like go like, why are they going down? <laughs> like if we're going forward in time, why are the numbers going down? And I just remember the time I was like, ah, oh, that's a that's a great joke. <laughs> that's a good joke. Yeah, that one, I, I get James that. Is just sitting there appreciating <laughs> yeah, the writing. I was. This is clever writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, ah. Oh. All of the old Muppet movies kind of blur together for me, and it's hard for me to remember what happened in each one. Because I used to watch yeah. them all, all the time when I was a kid, and it's like... Yeah, yeah when they're in their, like... Great Muppet caper, it's like... When they're in their normal ensemble antics, it's like, yeah, I forget what was where. Yeah, totally. exactly. I was like, I don't know. It all kind of... 
it's almost just, all like one just doing big Muppet movie stuff. To yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Okay, so we're Muppet but they were they were a lot of fun to watch as a kid. I did. <laughs> but like I said, I mean, they all seemed so tight knit as babies, and then I don't know, they all went off and did their own thing. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you brought that up too because I remember thinking the same thing. I was like, these they were like close friends. Why aren't they doing more stuff together? And like, mm-hmm. why isn't Gonzo in love with Miss Piggy? And he grew up. <laughs> yeah, you can't grew up and realized he was a fucking. And he got that chicken. He's like, I'm just gonna fuck this chicken now. <laughs> <laughs> He's a breast you man. <laughs> you swine. Yeah. Ugh, God, that fucking uh, you fucking pig. That fucking you little yeah. Alec Baldwin is Alec Baldwin's with me, and he's like, yeah, that disgusting little pig. <laughs> That's what he was telling Kermit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have a little pig of myself. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to set Kermit up with his daughter. <laughs> I know you like pigs. <laughs> Was definitely not shitting on I don't know. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which I'm looking forward to playing as soon as no, we're I just, done recording I just like this. being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's the YouTube handle. James shits all yeah. over Ghost of Tsushima. John, are you hearing this? <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima sucks. John, John if you yeah. are hearing this. Uh, so I went to the Ghost of Tsushima subreddit and they fucking banned me. <laughs> Dude, that would be... Don't do that, John, because Jeff and I actually really like Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> Although I'm not really I, on... <laughs> I called it asshats play Ghost of Tsushima and they just fucking attacked me. That's all it takes. <laughs> Anyone who Damn plays it, Ghost of Tsushima should commit ritual suicide. <laughs> Dude, the public is a fickle bitch. <laughs> oh, James commits seppuku talking Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> all this means is John has not changed since uh, we first met him. Nope. He's, he's still the obnoxious troll he's always been. <laughs> All right. Marriage, um, fatherhood, just years. It's None of it's done anything to him. Just making it more bitter. Now he really lashes out. <laughs> now he has a real rage. I do like the Is Yoda a Muppet thing. We'll talk about that. Uh, and then talk a little Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. Davis, I know you're really big into Labyrinth. Yeah, well, we got to at least mention that cosplay because that was impressive as fuck. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, and we'll... better than the other ones we saw that year yeah absolutely and it was for what the anniversary i believe right chris uh anniversary and his passing that's oh boy you god that was the same year or that what you had intention when you wore that i don't remember that being the same year yeah. i never made the connection i guess that's why he wasn't the only one dressed like that too but his costume was by far the best absolutely all right coming back just full neck one final segment here davis and bulge no padding needed <laughs> nor asked for we, want, we just want the bulge gotta got put a tag on that at the front door of comic-con man <laughs> weapon <laughs> sir you're gonna have to holster that <laughs> All right. God <laughs> damn, you guys tonight, man. Enough talking about Davis's dick. <laughs> that, that, that'll be the next the fan email segment. I really enjoyed the Muppet episode. In talking about Davis's Labyrinth cosplay, how big is Davis's dick? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Well, you know. All right. <clears throat> if we're ever editing, the, editing this, I apologize. Coming back in <laughs> three, two, and 
one. Well, well, well. Muppets, ghosts, and Davis's dick. Sounds like a terrifying night if there ever was one. Until next time, Inner Sanctum. The patron saint of the BDNS at Comic Con, and that's Richard Hatch. And the the Richard so Hatch. So say panels. we all. So say we all. R.I.P. So uh, much love to Richard all. Hatch, who was for years the single torch holder of uh, Battlestar Galactica, which still blows my mind because that's such a huge franchise in sci fi. And if not for his constant pushing, I don't think it would have had a presence at San Diego Comic-Con, which blows my mind. I mean, I think it was a year or two before I first started going. He actually was in Hall H uh, unveiling like his uh, like trailer that he had. No, it was the trailer that he created for like a sequel series to Battlestar Galactica. It was before they did the reboot. He wanted to do the next generation in that world. So it would be the children of like Boomer and Apollo. Um, and then he as Apollo would have taken more the the commander slash Admiral Adama spot where, you know, it's like that's kind of what he grew up into being, which was really cool. And it, I mean, he's the one who also was like writing books and stuff like that. So but I mean, his panels were great because he's so good at interacting with the fans. It was ripe with jokes. It blows my mind how almost nobody else would attend the panels with him or people would come in late. And then he would have to drag up actors who played like cat on the series as opposed to anybody that, I mean, anybody who mattered, let's face it. Yeah. On the show. Wasn't there one year, like everybody was stuck in traffic and it was everybody yes. bailed. Nobody showed up on time. And that it was our, that was yeah. our first one. And that, that, that is my favorite panel at, at Comic-Con because it's, it was the beginning of the meme the or the original source and so many great memories came out of that weekend <laughs> because of that panel i i completely agree like the so i mean jeff alluded to it beautifully is that richard hatch was the torchbearer for a really important fandom in in battlestar galactica and you know we we can touch on this a little bit more later but you know i think uh, edward james almost you know sort of hinted to that at the tribute panel for for hatch and the idea that it's kind of sad that he had to do it in large part alone. But at that time, while he was still alive and thriving, man, he loved interacting with the fans at Comic-Con. And yeah. he he legitimately, I remember one of the panels, it might have been WonderCon, but he just wanted fans to come up, share their ideas, you know, perhaps yeah. to, to pitch them to studios, <laughs> but you know, we he's like, I'm all out. What do you got? <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the bird that actually was a go-to hatch tactic. I think he did it in multiple panels. <laughs> yeah. Let me write that down. What you do you got? I part what I play. Can I just submit an alternative theory? Because that first year when, when we fell in love with hatch um, and, and the joke started, uh, the story was that all of the other panelists that were supposed to be there with him were stuck in traffic because of some big accident and they weren't able to be there. I submit to you, given what we know about about Richard Hatch and Battlestar panels since then, no, there were no other panelists. No one was ever going to show up. <laughs> Didn't he, he call might one have, of them on the phone? He, he might did. have. Ne- he might have negotiated that with Comic Con, like with with you know. And they were hoping that everyone would show up or they yeah. imagined that everyone would show up. And it's like, no, nah, it was just hatched the whole time. Like, no one, yeah, no they're one like, was yeah, ever Edward James up. almost, Katie Sackhoff. It's like, yeah, that's going to be a big panel. And then yeah. just Hatch, Hatch shows up uh, <laughs> going to, to the freebies table, <laughs> get himself and, a bagel. 
And again, this is no disrespect to Hatch because we we are all everyone here. I feel like yes. I have to give this disclaimer because we are not desecrating his grave. Everyone here loves Hatch, and we love him so much that he became the subject of our mockery for the remainder of the weekend. The, it, well, and, it, it's and really, jokes that come from the heart. Like, I mean, yeah. we adore Richard Hatch. Yeah. Yeah. And it came from a story that he told about Dirk Benedict making lunches in his trailer. And he <laughs> yeah. got excited about it. Yeah, he's telling this elaborate story about Dirk Benedict, Dirk Benedict having all these women coming in and out of his trailer and, you know, Hatch kind of jealous. And then the, the grand reveal, the prestige of this story is that Dirk Benedict is just... It's just making lunches in there for everybody. And he was astounded <laughs> that he was giving everybody free lunch. So out of that germ of a punchline in that story, it just unfurled that, and again, all out of love because, you know, as, as Jeff and I met him, he he's such was such a wonderful guy and such a nice person. But out of that, born these jokes out of love that he was looking for work. He was probably homeless, was hungry. And... <laughs> And it just really... jumping from convention to convention. That's all he does. <laughs> and th- I mean, it really was, and it remains one of Bro- my favorite Comic Con <laughs> memories are the hatch jokes. Broken destitute. And it is one of the most enduring jokes yeah, of best doing, damn nerd shows history to the point where I was astounded that I, and forgive me, I don't remember which listener it was messaged me on instagram that they had gone to a convention and attempted to give him a subway sandwich (laughs) because we were making so many jokes on the show about hatch just wanted free sandwiches and (laughs) it's like the fact that it reached that level to me is one of my favorite things about comic-con about this whole damn show uh and it is thanks to richard hatch and the hashtags the hatch jokes uh it is something something that people have to understand too because you know this is a reboot like yes. we you know we're still familiarizing or refamiliarizing people with us uh when we latch on to something like that when we latch on to something like hatch yes it's, it, we see how deep we can go with the joking so the premise is that he's broken destitute <laughs> and and the, oh, the delight favorite. of the weekend yes. just becomes who can get more creative about <laughs> exploiting no, that on behalf of jokes <laughs> and davis brought something up before the show that he and i were both like supposed to leave san diego this is the best yeah we so we were so we we're all at the hotel and i think james and jeff are staying another 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 night. couple nights yeah um, i think yeah yeah, but Davis and I both had to leave, and you know, I I had to drive back to Los Angeles, so I I, I really had to leave. Uh, we had like scheduled like, all right, six p.m. We're going, um, and then six p.m. hits, and we're still yeah. making hash jokes, and we we stayed in, we stayed in the in the hotel room till I don't even know what ten eleven p.m. Was, making hash jokes, late. just yeah. five five additional hours of hatch jokes it was the best because uh, yeah uh you and davis were packing your bags and so james and i sat at the table to kind of get out of your way but we were all just talking yeah we were just bouncing the hatch jokes off of each other and it was like the most fluid thing ever you guys are done packing your bags you just grabbed chairs and came over to the table and we're just sitting in a circle passing the hatch joke uh across from one another i mean Every year, there's always that ongoing joke for the weekend with the convention. Uh, the Hatch one is the one that's endured more than any other. And I feel like it really metamorphosized into something immortal when we were doing it that night. Because <laughs> it was so classic. Yeah, I, 
I, I wish we had it recorded. It was so I, I was just going to say, I, I wish we did too. Not even for the show, just for us. We were on such a level. And again, I feel like Tenacious D with the, you got to believe me and I wish you were there in terms of playing the greatest song in the world. But we were on such a level, not missing a beat, just with joke after joke that kept getting more absurd, but still fitting completely within the theme. And I think we just had like a bag of uh, the like munchies chips. And yeah, John and Davis just weren't leaving. It's just because we couldn't, there was no note in which like, all right, now it's time to go kind of deal. And that, that singular night is probably my favorite best damn nerd show Comic-Con moment. It, it just, it was so much yeah. fun. It was so funny. You had to be there. Sorry. Sorry, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't, I didn't even mean that towards you, Mark. I meant that towards the listeners. I'm shitting on them, not you. I took you into Being my home. Comic-Con peaked years before you were a part of it. I just remember my first Comic-Con when, when the rest of you guys were there. It was like, we have to go to this Richard Hatch panel. We have to go to this tell-all Richard Hatch for Battlestar. And I'm like, I'm not into Battlestar. That's how we the start the weekend. Like, But yeah, you guys are selling it. Let's go. I remember like five minutes go by and I'm like, man, this room's empty. <laughs> Ten minutes go by, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy rambling about? 15, 20? I'm like, guys, I'm going. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I, I need to leave. Yeah, you had to go collect your Legos. Mm. Uh, <laughs> they put him in one of the biggest rooms. They put him in the same room that was the Thundercat premiere. Which, and by it the way, he deserves, he deserves it. Wait, what? He deserves that that big room. Oh, he He's... deserves that room, if not bigger, yeah. honestly. <laughs> That's Richard Hatch we're dealing with here. But, oh, man. And and the sad thing is, uh, the year that he passed, they did have these amazing tribute panels. Um, WonderCons was really good. I thought it was the side panel at San Diego Comic-Con that was an even better tribute panel. It was like some independent movie that he had worked yeah. on. And uh, the entire cast and the crew, they all had like these wonderful stories about Richard Hatch. It's one thing when a person passes away, there's always a lot of positive stories. When Hatch was alive, he was one of the few people I remember that nobody ever had anything negative to say about. Um, he always stops and talks to the fans. He was amazing to James and I when uh, we took a photo with him and that we got to just kind of talk Chat to him for with a, him little a little bit, bit too. He was so was really incredibly awesome. gregarious and just so yeah. just so good with all of the fans, you know, and, and that that is a prevailing thing. And you're right. That side panel was, uh, you know, really special and, Again, you you hit on it perfectly. The, he kept the torch lit for Battlestar Galactica. You know, I, I talk about this in Hall H when John Favreau came out and made sure that you know he had footage from Cowboys and Aliens to show the fans and made you know had Robert Downey Jr. come through the crowd and stuff like that. Like John Favreau gets what Comic Con's about. Richard Hatch understood what all of those conventions were about and what those you yeah. know th those fans were what you know made uh, you know so much of it enduring. And uh, so, yeah, it was very sad to lose him. But continue, Jeff. I'm sorry. Oh, but yeah, uh, last year would have been the second convention without him. And there were no BSG panels. And it's just like, you know, how quickly they kind of went back to their routine. And without Hatch there to carry the torch like we've been talking about, it just fell to the wayside again. And it's it's not fair to a property like that. It's not fair to Richard Hatch's memory. And I'm hoping that Battlestar Galactica at some point kind of picks itself up again. Honestly... If they need someone to pick up that mantle, nerd, <laughs> nerd show is here and we are ready. We are ready to we'll talk. We yeah, will, we will sack off. We will honor his memory and we will honor the show. 
but not for a room smaller than six BCF. We, we do it exactly how Hatch does it. Absolutely. All we need is a couple Subway sandwiches and yeah. six BCF, and we're good. There was one year uh, for James's birthday. I was posting something on Facebook. I was looking forever oh for a God. picture. I find a picture of Richard Hatch at um, a signing table with two salads in front of him, and he's just given two <laughs> and the biggest <laughs> smile. And I, and I wrote him like this caption. I forget exactly how it went, but it was like, uh, oh, hey there, I hear you're a fan of BSG. It's like, do you know if you uh, McDonald's is uh, offering uh, birthday salads? If you buy one at uh, regular price, you get another one free. So if you could float me some credits, we'll be... <laughs> We'll be all good. Yeah, we'll be we'll be sitting in some salads, dude. We uh, can o- we can only hope that that nerd show you know gets gets panels like that, and that some of, some of our gracious listeners create memes out of us, and, yeah, and make fun of us and make jokes wish, at our expense yeah. this way. If, because if we get a panel, so we're giving out sandwiches in honor of Hatch. Well, hold on, yeah. no one's greenlit that budget, Davis. <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed to give us sandwiches. Yeah, as long as they're provided by the convention. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I start mean, clicking on that like, Amazon link. The prevailing thing that's so so prevalent was the the Richard Hatch and this is the last thing I'll say about the Hatch jokes is that, you know, I played this game Hero Quest with Jeff that I named one of the major characters in that game after after Richard Hatch. It was Dick Hatch the Broke. <laughs> But no I would, but I would, but I would always give him all the gold that we got from every quest. He was your best character. He was. He was great. I had so much fun. He was playing. the wizard. He was so much fun to play as. Those those memories get made by having the in person experience, and I think it'd be cool to have access to a ticket that allows you to visit in person and also have access to replays and vods, and you know, probably what we would do every every day is go back to the hotel and like watch everything we missed or maybe just rewatch the stuff that we were at. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mark, what do you think? So the video on demand, I feel like we're already kind of there in the fact that I don't go to hall H never been inside. Don't even know what the room looks like anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I still get all the content later that night. I have fond memories of us all, you know, coming together and getting to watch this content and all the trailers that have come out over the day together. And we can watch the interviews if we want. Uh, we get to see some of the fun interactions between some of the actors. Sorry, cat's attacking me. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I feel like we're already like almost there uh, in that regard. I, I think the biggest miss this year with going fully on demand in that regard is the the in-person experience and not just the waiting in line and getting those interactions with people while you're standing around but the actual walkthrough experience of things which are some of the biggest stands out of conventions in the past few years it's not that did i get to see that trailer first or i got to see the panel and share you know the air with steven amell or richard hatch it's you know the court of owls walk through yes. a haunted house at the dc universe it's the godzilla exhibit where you're actually going through the destruction of godzilla going through tokyo some it's, excellent it's, sushi yeah it's things like the the final space vr experience these other ancillary things that are tying you into these different ips that you just don't get by watching a video at home and so i think there will always be that attraction to coming in and getting to quote unquote, like live with 
the things you nerd out about as opposed to just getting to be voyeuristic and watching from home. Uh, in regards to this year, I think it's wonderful that I can continue putting that out and releasing the content. I already know a lot of companies are going to be holding back some of those key trailers that would have come out uh, since they have you know other avenues to explore that with and so forth and just putting it out for free online, uh, making bigger splashes, if you would. But I'm glad the tradition is not dying at the very least that Comic-Con is going to continue on, that people get to continue exploring these properties that they love and celebrating it together year after year, even during these very trying times. I think that is incredibly well put. And, you know, it's, it's not like Comic-Con has, you know, even if they continue on with digital aspects of it, they, they have more people than they know what to do with, you know, the crowds are a constant source of, of consternation. So, I don't see attendance becoming a problem just because they continue doing online panels. Davis, what do you think? Yeah, no, attendance is always going to be through the roof, and it's because of the experiences that we've been talking about. And to to harp on another one that we haven't talked about tonight, our new tradition of playing board games in the board game hall. Like, we're trying out all these new games. We're having a blast just playing together, and that's what we do at night during these weekends now, too, is, you know, play each other's board games. And you know, we're having a, a lot of fun like this last year. We played that pirate ship one and we're just like taking each other out, having having a blast with the host and he's just like, Wow. He it didn't even seem like he had seen people have that much fun with his game yet. And it was just really cool to have that experience with him. Um, but it's not gonna take it away. I mean, people are still gonna go every year if they make this live and I think if they could come up with a way if it was an app or game where make the whole convention digital, like a video game almost where you have your avatar that you can walk around and you can go into the different rooms. And right when you enter a room, it's the live whatever's going on, it's live. And you, you can just watch, you can walk, you can walk the convention center. You can see the toys and all the, all the booths. And if you like look straight out of the booth, then you're in that store. Then you're checking their stuff out. Uh, just like Artist Alley, you can, I mean, not a game designer, not anything like that, but I don't think that would be incredibly difficult to do from a game design standpoint or an app standpoint. Well, that's like the, uh, was it PlayStation Home back on the PS3? I don't even know if they still do that. I am generations behind. <laughs> not going to lie. I had a baby. <laughs> I, I'm not onto the new consoles, but I remember PS3. Uh, there was the, uh, the PlayStation home where it was just kind of like a second life of sort. And you can walk around and interact with different people on the network and go to different rooms to watch videos and things of that nature. That would be pretty awesome to see if you can amass it to such a huge audience. Yeah. And and you get to bring exposure, I think to the, the toy shops, the artist, the artist alley, like all these people can now see these, these smaller artists and give them exposure it's just one weekend and people will spend the time probably because it's that one time of the year that you're going to do that. And even if you're just sitting at home, then you're going to get a ton more people experiencing this. And even if it's not in person. As we're winding down tonight, I want to just quickly reflect one more time on just, you know, what Comic-Con has meant to, you know, all of us. And I think for me, uh, you know, I've, I know I've joked with Jeff about this off the air that, you know, what's happened is sort of a monkey paw wish because as the years have gone on, 
what happens at the convention itself has sort of become less important to me and what has become more and more, more and more important to me is just the interaction that I get with all of you f- for that, you know, however many days that I come down to San Diego and get to hang out with you guys. You know, Davis, you mentioned playing the board games with each other at night, you know, catching up on what we did when we branched off on our own things. That's why I just, I encourage everyone, you know, go with some friends and experience it at least once in your life and you, you will make memories that will last a lifetime. And that, that's what Comic-Con has really been for me. It's just been just a, some really really fond memories that I hold very, very dearly. So we can all go around and say just, you know, what, you know, Comic-Con means to you, Marco. It's really getting to see my boys every year. Uh, Greatest thing about this podcast and what I think really makes it work is the energy that all of us have and the experience that we have with each other that listeners get to take in on. And it doesn't get uh, showcased better than when we're all together at comic-con getting to geek out on uh all the events of the day uh, what did you find who did you see what did you experience and all those natures it's it's the fellowship that's made within that four or five day span with all of us here uh that i cherish most and becomes really the, the definitive aspect of doing this show with each other uh it, it's what really um just exhibits all of our best qualities and why we do this. Uh, that chance where we all get to be together. Cause we all have lives. We all diverge on different paths and quests in life that have taken us to different areas uh, across the state and even beyond sometimes, but we all have this together and, and Comic-Con it does just that. It brings us all together just as it does many other people with different fellowships. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's, you know, kind of one of the big reasons why we, all decided to reboot this podcast together too was was to have a, a bunch of excuses to come back together and connect and um i'm announcing this right now and uh we might have to edit this out if we can't fulfill it but i think our first community event should be uh san diego comic-con watch party great idea yeah. i'd love to sit down watch the live stuff with you guys and have our fans react have our community just Know, become part of our community of yeah and and look and like so i, I, I know you know idea. not everyone's going to be able to get time off work for certain parts of it but um we have been very active in discord for for several weeks now and um you know if you guys want to join just go to bestdamnerdshow.com slash discord and join us and uh we will you know we'll, we'll we'll have like an official stream or something for it but i think it could be really cool to experience it together and with our listeners for the first time. I mean, this year kind of gives us that opportunity. So it could be fun. That's a great idea. I like that a lot. Jeff, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah. Kind of like what everybody else has been saying. It's, it's our excuse to take like a group vacation together every year, which is really cool. Um, especially with the amount of bonding that's happened over the last like few years with, you know, the part that we look forward to the most was hanging out at like Mark's house or whatever and playing board games. I mean, I guess we'll be at a hotel next year. It's going to be because if I'm the closest person to the convention, I'm not close at all. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that, by the way. I'm a, I'm yeah. a proponent of the hotels. And then, I mean, uh, it kind of takes me back to my first convention. And it's just it's a celebration of so many different types of properties and activities and bringing people together and learning new things as far. I mean, like I wasn't really into anime. At, I wasn't into anime at all when I first went to the San Diego Comic-Con. That's something that came a couple of years later, and it's just 
every time you find a new interest or a new hobby, the next time you go to the convention, you find out, wow, there's this whole other section that really just celebrates that and a whole other group of people to interact with and talk to about those things. I mean, I think about like the people that we've met in lines. And it's like you make all of these convention friends, which are really fun. And it's not necessarily people that you keep in touch with or anything like that. But at that moment, you guys are sharing something and it's it's really cool. Hey, everyone. Chris Seglia, CEO of the Tenno Media Network here. Thank you so much for listening to our content, but we need your help. Please rate us five stars, subscribe, and give us a shining review wherever you listen to this podcast. It really, really helps us out. And one more thing, please tell a friend if you can. Tell them Tasty Steve, Hanzo Gonzo, Mark Mann, Rip, Ricky Replay, or someone who everyone loves sent you or something. That might help. Anyway, again, thank you for listening. And if you want more, make sure to check us out at www.ten-o.gg. www.ten-o.gg. You're listening to the 10010 Media Network.